Bring it in, read option pod back and ready to tackle the NFL playoffs starting this weekend. Uh, Scotty here with me. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I think yeah, it was punt. It, you know, I don't know what what it is. Maybe it's uh, they're still a long way from Father's Day. I don't know what it is. I just I embraced my inner dad there. Dropped the pun in. I'm, t- I'm spending too much time with you on the pod. I think is what's doing it. Um, yeah. That, that is Probably. a very Scotty kind of line. Uh, but no, super exciting. I am amped up for the playoffs this weekend, even if some of the matchups aren't as uh, exhilarating as perhaps in years past. But nonetheless, it's still the playoffs. This is what we we hop on the podcast. We talk about this at hours. We study it and take notes and watch film and do all this shit all year to get ready for now. And this is why we're here, man. I, I'm, I'm so excited I'm I'm ready to get to kick off. We have a great pod for you guys today. Obviously, we're going to do what we always do. We're going to break down our picks, um, go through each of the games we have this weekend. Obviously, Kansas City, Philly, one seeds. They're not playing, so we have our wild card matchups. we got six games kicking off Saturday at 4.30 Eastern. Tons of stuff to talk about. And then once we go through our preview for the wild card round, we will then reveal Scotty and I's brackets as to how we think the playoffs are going to shake out. So uh, with all that being said, oh, and we'll we'll continue to pick against the spread like we always do, but we do have our, our brackets heading into the playoffs. So, Scotty, it's great to see you. We missed you on Tuesday. Um, Vito did a great job filling in, um, but it's great to see you, man. How you doing? You too. I'm all right, man. All right. Just, Hanging uh, in? Yeah. Winding down. How's the recovery treating you? It's good, you know, a little better every day. Um, I can do more stuff now. So we'll be back out in the golf course in no time. Well, I was out in the golf course yesterday and I forgot to tell you before we teed, I only played nine holes. So it's only nine holes, but I went one under through nine yesterday. Uh, it was pretty amazing. And that means two under through 18 in my book. The only dude, the only bogey I had all day was on a par three that I hit onto the green, had about a 15, 20 foot putt for birdie and just sailed it about five feet past the hole and then missed the comebacker. So uh, I was trying to get aggressive. I was two under. I'm sitting there going like, I get a shot here, you know, to go three under through nine holes, which is by far the best I've ever done. I've only ever, this is technically not the first time I've gone under par on through nine holes, but your boy was feeling it, man. That ball striking is about as good as it's ever been. Once we get the driver tuned up for next year, get ready, get ready. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm foreseeing low scores from your boy this year but all that will come after football season uh when we're talking about the masters which did you see by the way in the last week the first set of masters commercials are coming through espn yeah Yeah. oh i can't wait i can't wait it's gonna be it's gonna be so great yeah yeah one of these days we'll go we'll get there but until then we dream once we see those commercials it's uh just hearing like Ray, it just sounds nice. Hearing the Ray goosebumps Charles and everything, yeah. Georgia, Georgia, oh, so good. Can't wait. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, all that we have plenty of time to talk about golf, which the Netflix documentary is set February fifteenth. Mark your calendars. 
But we have golf. We have NBA. We've got a bunch of stuff we're going to do. I was talking to my boy Denton Day today. He's going to come on. We're going to do a big NBA uh, pod at some point here over the next few weeks, most likely after the Super Bowl. But maybe in that off week, we'll start to mix in the NBA because the NBA season has been super weird and all over the place and uh, will be fun to break down. But like I said, right now, it's football season, man. And this is the crux of it. We have uh, six games to talk about this weekend in the wild card. There's a few that are really interesting, right? Uh, and there's going to be some teams who had really good records who are going to end up getting bounced. Teams had really good seasons. And then there's games that are, well, to put it mildly, less than exciting, uh, including the Sunday night game uh, and and the Sunday morning game. Sunday is going to be kind of an <laughs> underwhelming day. I think when it comes to football uh, and we can actually let's talk about that before we get into the games, because I believe you and I on last Friday's pod talked about the schedule. Right. And we both thought like Jacksonville, if they win, um, it is a lock to be the the the, the Saturday one o'clock game or four thirty game, whatever the Saturday afternoon game, uh, which ended up not being the case. Jacksonville won. And that's the Saturday night game, which I'm happy about because I actually think it's one of the most even ma- evenly matched and more exciting games. Two young quarterbacks, uh, similar makeup, similar skill sets, both extremely talented, uh, great athletes, and and two kind of younger teams. Uh, the Chargers have a few more you know veteranish players on that defense, um, but for the most part, like I was really expecting that game to be the one o'clock. I think. I would have rather it been Dolphins Bills, I think, because I think that's the biggest layout. But we'll run through the schedule. We have Seahawks Niners four thirty Saturday. Oh, I know. I'm going to be on a mountain. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well, that's uh, well. Luckily, it's not something you have to worry about. Or is it? Or is it? We'll get there. Uh, and then Chargers Jags will be the Saturday night game. I will be uh, watching on my phone from the Capital One Arena, going to see the. Uh, the Caps and the Flyers play uh, this Saturday in Washington, D.C., which will be exciting. Uh, and then Sunday, we have Bills, Dolphins, 1 o'clock, Giants, Vikings at that 430 spot on Fox. And then the Ravens and Bengals on Sunday Night Football replaying what they are. This team already, same field, same matchup, everything, basically just a week apart here on Sunday night. And then we end on Monday night, Cowboys, Bucks. Uh, and I'll say it now, I hate the Monday night game and wild card weekend. I, I don't understand why you wouldn't just do one o'clock to, you know, eight o'clock both days. Um, and I guess it's an ESPN thing. It's the Monday night football thing, but it really does kind of put whatever teams are playing there at a competitive disadvantage. And we saw what happened last year in that awful Cardinals and Rams game that the Rams, I think, won like 38 to three, like an absolute ass kicking um, I just don't I don't like having a Monday night game in the playoffs. I, playoff football should be on the weekends. It shouldn't be during the week. Um, not not a fan of that. But uh, other than that, what jumps out to you? Would you have changed the schedule at all here based off of how we're seeing the playoffs laid out? Um, well, you know, I would have liked to have been able to potentially watch all of the Niners game. Maybe I'll sneak back to the lodge and see what uh, what's going on. Uh, to watch that but uh you know I, I think but in terms of like viewership like when like what's considered prime time what's not i mean yeah none of these games are competing with any other games but i love the one of those, as you said 
it's one of those unspoken the, things, you know, where it's like the best yeah. games go in different spots. Yeah, I love the the Jaguars and Chargers on on Saturday night. I, I love that game. I'd like to. I mean, there's nothing else that's really compelling in this first round, um, though. So you talk about you know what what you want to make your your money maker. A, it's a holiday. Uh, B, it's the only game ESPN has on Monday night. C, you've got what they claim to be is America's team and Tom Brady. So I guess that's you know where the headlines are probably going to lay. It's a four or five matchup. Um, so, you know, I, I, I get it, but I I'm with you. I don't like that either. Uh, Bill's Dolphins is a little compelling just because of the, uh, the division rivalry as well. Same with the, the Niners and Seahawks, but, uh, perhaps that's why those are in, uh, in the early slots, uh, of, of either day. Yeah. I, I think the one o'clock slots are, are probably about right. Um, I, I'll say this, I think Seahawks Niners, because at least you're getting two starting quarterbacks. Right, you're getting one well, I minute mean, not starting, but at least you're getting a really good team with Chris McCaffrey, Debo, and all the pieces on San Francisco, and then you're getting a fully healthy Seahawks team, right? Obviously, skill position, like skill wise, the Niners are the superior team, but they also have this rookie quarterback, the seventh round draft pick, who's been playing really, really good football. But I, to me, like that's a better game than Dolphins Bills or than uh, Ravens and and Bengals, where. Lamar Jackson is uh, hasn't officially been ruled out, but hasn't practiced yet, is going to be ruled out, will not play in this game. Uh, and then even Tyler Huntley hasn't thrown all week. So you're not getting Tyler Huntley unless it's a last-minute thing. And if you do, it's a quarterback who hasn't practiced all week. And in addition to that, then you're getting uh, 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 Anthony Brown, who has been terrible. Um, and I know the Ravens kind of – work through you know had some decent moments on Sunday for the most part that game was terrible uh and it was kind of bangles all the way I can't imagine we're going to see much different I guess because they just played last week that's kind of the thought process right back-to-back week same matchup same field same quarterbacks everything you think well maybe the Ravens and that defense have to play better the second time around and maybe something crazy happens um which is possible but I don't know. To me, the the four thirty game should have been Bill uh, on Saturday. Should have been Dolphins Bills. Get that game out. Get it done with. I like Chargers and Jags at at Sunday on Saturday night. I actually think that's a really fun way to kind of kick off the rest of the weekend. Um, and then that one o'clock game should have been Ravens Bengals. I actually really like the Giants and Vikings at that four thirty spot. And then I guess from there you're saying, hey, I, and from what I've heard and some of the digging and um, Richard Deitch, who is one of the editors for the, uh, the ringer, he has his own like sports media podcast. So it's all about sports media and, and broadcast and coverage and that kind of stuff, which is really, a really interesting. Listen, um, he talked about this and, uh, and he said, you know, look, ESPN made a really, really big push to try to get Cowboys bucks for the exact reason you said it's America's team. It's Tom Brady. You know, you're going to get eyeballs, but that game should be Sunday night especially since Monday's a holiday and most people aren't going to have to go into work on Monday. Um, Sunday night should have been Cowboys bucks. Cause the way I see it, there's three good games and there's three kind of trash games um, or two and a half kind of trash games. I think that depending on, you know, how good Brock Purdy plays, right. If Brock Purdy continues to light it up, then yeah, that should be a blowout from San Francisco and Seattle. But for the most part, you have giants, Vikings, bucks, Cowboys and Jags chargers as like your three good games. 
and then Seahawks, Niners, kind of in between, and then Dolphins, Bills. I mean, it's Skylar Thompson again. Two is rolled out. Teddy Bridgewater's out. It's going to be Skylar Thompson playing quarterback here. And and God, they he they struggled to put up nine points against the Jets. Uh, that that game's going to be terrible. So Sunday one o'clock. That's probably right. I just I the biggest issue with me for the schedule is Ravens Bengals on Sunday night. I think if you flip flopped them and the Tom Brady and you know Dallas Cowboys game, the the, the Bucks Cowboys game, I think that probably would have been a, a better setup. But nonetheless, uh, taking a quick look here at just what Vegas is thinking, um, we have two double digit spreads, and then Baltimore Cincinnati's nine and a half points. So essentially, we have three double digit spreads. And then the other three are all within three points. Um, we have two home underdogs, which will be a topic of conversation as we get close, uh, as we start to you know work through the games here. Um, but it's going to be, I think it's going to be a fun weekend. Um, I want to ask you this. Do you see one of these, like, let me phrase it this way. Out of these six games, right, especially when we're talking about these big spreads, which of those three double-digit spreads or almost double-digit spreads do you think is most likely to give us some sort of chaos? Like, where where are we going to find the most potential chaos this weekend? Um, what are the the three double-digits? The Niners, Seahawks, the Vikings, Giants, I would assume. Nope. And the Dolphins and Bills? No, it's uh, Seattle, San Francisco, Miami, Buffalo, and then Baltimore, Cincinnati. Uh, assuming that Lamar can go. Which he's already, you, I mean, he's not. He's not going to play in this. He hasn't practiced in, in like over 60 yeah, years. That, that would be the only way. I, I don't think there's going to be any chaos. I mean, the the, the default answer then is going to be the Niners and, and Seahawks because it's a divisional game, right? We, we know how difficult it is to play, uh, to beat a team three times, let alone a division opponent three times. The Niners were victims of that last season in the NFC Championship game. So, uh, beat the Rams twice in the regular season, met him in the postseason, and and albeit was a close game on the road. Um, it's it's really really challenging to do that. Um, no matter who uh, who's at quarterback, uh, how many weeks in between games you've had, and we played relatively recently, so I think it's going to have to be that one for me, just because a it's it's a third time that we're playing the opponent. Uh, uh, we we know how the weird those can get yeah I, and in the same boat i mean i don't see dolphins bills in any way turning into something chaotic i i i, I mean maybe I mean, if Tua was there then yeah but oh yeah if two was there it's a, and that line looks totally different i think if two is there that line's probably unhealthy probably six and a half but jalen mm-hmm. waddles banged up uh tyreek hills banged up Teron armstead uh, missed the last couple of weeks is has been practicing is likely to play this weekend, which is a huge help. We're talking about, you know, a, another sixth, seventh round rookie in Skylar Thompson, who has not looked good. Unlike Brock Purdy um, has looked really bad and really shaky. The defense for Miami, you know, they've always, they've kind of been up and down all year, which is what we've been saying on this pod. Uh, I, I don't see that game getting weird. I, I could, if I, if you're saying like, Hey Jeff, make the case for the Baltimore Ravens, right? The, the defense would have to play out of its fucking gourd. Like, we're talking about, like, holding Cincinnati to, like, three points in the first half, right? Yeah. Getting after Joe Burrow, 
forcing into turnovers, getting a couple tip balls that land into a defensive lineman's lap that you end up picking off. Like they need that and kind of shit. In the end, happen. you're talking like a, a 13-6 classic AFC North battle. Yeah, which I I mean, Alex Kappa, who has been the best offensive lineman for the Bengals, is not going to play on Sunday, which is a big loss for them. Um, so, you know, yeah, maybe with Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen and, and the pass rushers they have there, um, you, yeah, was it Jason Owe, right? You're uh, a, which he goes by his Odafa, yeah. Odafa, Odafa Owe. Um, and you know, Kyle Hamilton's been playing. You know, one of the crazy things that hasn't been we, we haven't brought it up either because he was my favorite prospect in the draft last year was Kyle Hamilton. Um, I was listening to Mina Kimes this week actually, and she was saying, uh, something that it was like because he hasn't had like a big year, you haven't heard a lot from him, he's been making plays. Something I didn't quite realize was the amount that they're asking him to do on that defense is like otherworldly. Like he's being asked to do stuff that like a five, six year vet does. And he's doing it as a rookie because he can, and he's talented enough to do that. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and one of the big things with adding Roquan Smith has been making Patrick Queen's life easier. He can kind of just fly around and attack the ball and uh, making Kyle Hamilton's life easier. They got Marcus Peters back last week um it didn't help them too much because obviously we're talking about stud wide receivers there for the Bengals, jamar chase t higgins we know that story um but that's kind of the blueprint so i think if there's one and and look as an eagles fan i and and we were talking about this before the pod but people should know there is a high likelihood that at some point in this playoffs particularly the nfc championship game well that would be the only context i guess uh that we could have an eagles san francisco nfc championship game and what that would do to this podcast and me and Scotty's friendship is uh, I think we would treat it like adults. It's sports after all. We're not going to lose a friendship over it, but it would get highly con- you know, contentious. And uh, there'd probably be some cursing and some nasty texts going back and forth. Um, so if the Seattle Seahawks want to yeah, play the game, I did start life, chirping. I did start chirping on Sunday night. If the C- <laughs> yes, you did. And uh, you were you were you were pulling for the Giants pretty damn hard. Yeah. <laughs> on uh, on Sunday. Um, but look, if, you know, Seattle pulls off a miracle as an Eagles fan, that'd be great for the content. And for what I think is, will be the best football for everybody. I want to see Eagles Niners in the NFC championship game. I, I really do think that's the best case scenario uh, for, for the best course of games. And I think that's how most people yeah. feel. Well, you know how they say, get the popcorn ready. Lane Kiffin. Uh, I think you and I should, yeah, I think you and I should get the blood pressure medication ready. That's that's all I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe get the gummies ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe 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 get some of those like Delta 8 gummies. Um But yeah, I I, I think we a, we will Jalen Hurts, what a throw, man. Wow. <laughs> Dude, football's crazy, bro. Do you ever think about like how this game got <laughs> created? Like how did any sport get created, man? This is crazy. <laughs> um, but that I do think would be the most fun outcome in uh, in, in the NFC playoffs. So uh, I do want San Francisco to win because at the end of the day, like selfishly as a fan, I want the Eagles to win the Super Bowl. Uh, as a bystander and someone who just loves football, I want to see what the best matchups we can possibly have are. Um and, uh, and I think San Francisco will win. There is something to beating the same team three times. We've seen 
crazy shit happened, right? The the beast quake, right? Is this going to be Seattle's version of the beast quake again, right? We know they've done it before, right? Are they going to be able to pull the Marshawn Lynch energy back and upset the superior team? No, probably not because they're on the road and San Francisco is really good. But with Baltimore and Cincinnati, it is the AFC North. Um, the Ravens do have one of the top probably three to five best defenses in the NFL. Uh, and if Anthony Brown can protect the football and they can figure out a way to run and force some turnovers on the defensive side of the ball, I don't know. I think I think that's probably the most likely scenario that we see some chaos. Um, and with that, why don't we jump into it? Let's let's start. Let's start getting after it here. Uh, we'll go through each game as always game picks against the spread. Uh, I was going through our picks from the season. Scotty runaway winner uh, close to 15 after this week. Cause we both had good weeks last week, including the national championship game. We both went 12 and six. Of course it took all the way to the last season of the regular season for me to have like a really good week. Uh, I finished just about 10 games below 500. Uh, not my best, but Hey, you know what? 47% I think is what it came out to. That's pretty good, man. This, yeah. For this year. Like I didn't have a bunch of hot, like, hot picks or whatever. Um, and we pick every, I picked every single game against the spread this year. Uh, I'll take that as a W. Um, so let's get into it. Scotty's our champ for the regular season, but we do have our brackets for the playoffs, which will maybe counterbalance some of that. Uh, Vito, I think Vito's disqualified for, uh, not submitting enough picks. And also I still think even, even still, he got off to such a bad start that he finished at a lower hit percentage than I did. I think he finished like. 20 uh yeah he was 35 59 and three uh to finish Oof. up the season so yeah uh, there was that there were a couple really bad weeks that are yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> Poor Partic- guy. particularly when he went they he went from three he went from uh the the first week we went one and two for veto his total he'd only picked a couple college games it was week zero and then the first week that he picked college and nfl he ended his total record was three and twenty one. That was that's about as bad as it gets. He went two and nineteen. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? He he's in real life. He's made some money. Uh, so he's not. We he's withholding it. from us is, we, is what we, I yeah. think I'm gathering. Yeah, I think when financially, I think just the bet he hit over the weekend ended up catching him up. So Vito's yeah. not hurt. We he's he's doing <laughs> all right. Uh, game one, your boys Saturday. Uh, 4 30 kickoff and that will be on fox uh i wonder who what crew you're gonna get there on fox yeah I'm curious i would think too. the a i would think the um the greg olson crew will be on sat will be on sunday mm-hmm. so whoever mm-hmm. the number two team there is for fox charles davis and uh and sparrow is that the yeah, number two pro- i think so i think so yeah. um so you'll get that good crew uh, and you'll get the right now Niners are 10 point favorites minus 10 at home. Um, I like the Niners to win this game. The Niners should win this game. There's no question about that. Uh, but the Seahawks like they've hung around and, and Gino's obviously tailed off uh, as the season has progressed, but he's also played a lot of really good football this year and he's got Tyler Lockett healthy. He's got DK Metcalf healthy. Um, the big thing for them is because they are, you know, when you look at the raw numbers, like total rushing yards, you say, oh, the Seahawks are a good rushing team. Um, and the truth of the matter is they're actually not. They're pretty reliant on big plays in the running game. 
right? They're they their running numbers get juiced based off these 20-yard breakoff runs, right? But for the most part, they're not a consistently efficient running game. They break off big plays, but efficiency, right? How you know if you eliminate their big plays, they they run the ball at a pretty low clip. So uh, I think that's going to be tough again against the Niners. And the Niners now fully healthy. The question for them is ultimately just going to keep coming down to Brock Purdy. And I'll say this too: every team in the playoff has to go and watch whatever the hell the the uh, Las Vegas Raiders did two weeks ago with Jarrett Stidham to put up 35 points against this Niners defense because. Uh, or 34 points, whatever it was, because that was a seemingly an anomaly for this Niners team all season. Um, but yet Jarrett Stidham was still able to do it. So who's to say that Geno Smith can't? Yeah, I you know, that's that's the concern, right? You look at that tape and it was it, it was at all three levels that we were getting beat at the line of scrimmage. They were able to run the ball really well. Uh, the linebackers, including Fred Warner, were getting beat. Uh, over the middle with with guys like Darren Waller and and Foster Moreau, their tight ends, and then of course leaving uh, Traverius Ward, who's still uh, for 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 what it's worth one of the better corners in the NFL this season, uh, leaving him one on one against Devontae Adams, one of the greatest receivers I've ever seen in my life, uh, was not a recipe for success. So uh, it, it's going to be challenging again. I think uh, to to that point though, the the couple of weeks prior when we played Seattle. It was a similar sort of script, and Seattle wasn't able to move the ball nearly as well as uh, as uh, as the Raiders were uh, a couple weeks later when the Niners played them in Vegas. So uh, I do think that that is a critical part of it is running the ball, and, and if they're reliant upon the big play, even even you know as tough as it is to run against San Francisco this season, I, Kenneth Walker is banged up, and so we'll see how how effective he can be and the offensive line can be, but the defensive line is healthy. Uh, they've got depth, uh, and and you know what what D'Amico Ryan's is doing with with his formations. Uh, it's it's literally something new every week that I that I've been able to spot. So uh, it's I think it's going to be tough sledding on offense for Seattle. Ten's uh, a big number, but you know on offense, like if you're Brock Purdy, the 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 answer is especially now that everyone's healthy, you don't have to go out and be the hero, right? You've got Debo Samuel, who's trying to get back into the swing of things. You've got George Kittle, who had a big game against Seattle last time they played against each other. You've got Brandon Ayuk, who's who's uh, a little banged up. But um, on defense for Seattle, Tariq Woolen got hurt and was out most of the game last week. So he's banged up. The Most of the rest of the secondary is banged up. So... It's it's going to come down to I, I think the experience level uh, on both sides of the ball, and, and while they have some in their weapons on Seattle's offense, um, I, I don't think they have it yet on defense, and it's going to be tough for them to run the ball. And I think San Francisco is going to be able to take control of the game uh, and cover the ten. Yeah, uh, and you know there's some interesting numbers here uh, when talking about double digit spreads and as a whole. Um, I said earlier, like I wanted to kind of get to this. Um, since 2000, there have been 25 double-digit spreads in NFL playoff games. Um, if of those 25, there have been seven straight-up upsets, like money line upsets, right? Uh, New England, Pittsburgh, 2001. New England, St. Louis, Super Bowl, AFC Divisional, San Diego, Indy in 07. Giants, New England, Super Bowl 07. Arizona, Carolina, 08. 
divisional round, uh, 2010 NFC wildcard, Seattle and New Orleans. And then, um, which I believe was the beast quake game. And then the 2019 AFC divisional round, Tennessee plus 10 beating Baltimore. That was Lamar's MVP year when we saw, you know, the defense that was going to shut Lamar down forever, right. For all the, uh, Lamar haters. Um, however, since the 2010 beast quake game, double digit underdogs are one in 12 straight up and, uh, two and 11 against the spread. So the recent numbers tell us that double digit underdogs, it's pretty boomer bust, right? You're either going to pull off the win or you're going to get smoked and kind of get exposed to kind of who you are. Um, which is kind of why I wanted to have that conversation earlier about which game would be the, the most likely for chaos, because, you know, it's not like we're talking about the NCAA tournament where chaos always happens and more often than not in the NFL, the better teams always end up kind of winning. But this year has been so weird, and there's been really good teams who have lost really shocking games all over the place this season that I kind of feel like my gut tells me there's going to be a weird game. Um, and I looked back at that Seattle-San Francisco game just a, about a month ago, and it's the only game where Brock Purdy really struggled. Uh, they only put up 21 points. It was a lower. It's the only game since he's taken over that they haven't scored over 30 yeah. points. I mean, right. Defense um, did such a good job in that game. And, Seattle could not move the ball at all. And, and yeah. And, and I think there's a high likelihood that the defense of San Francisco continues to slow down Seattle. Uh, and then it's does Seattle's defense. Are they able to replicate the same thing? And, and I think that they are. I think that they'll be able to keep it somewhat close. 10 points is a lot. It's a playoff game. I know that Seattle at this point is kind of playing with house money, but Geno's put up a really good year. He gets that extra million dollar bonus for just getting the team to the playoff and, and being the starting quarterback. Uh, Kenneth Walker has actually started to look somewhat healthy for the first time in the last month and a half, which I think they're going to need. They're going to have to be able to break off some big runs. Um, and the one weakness in that San Francisco defense is in the secondary. And yeah, you're going to have Tredavious Ward locked up against most likely DK, but there's a lot of, a lot of the scoring plays for Seattle this year have gone through Tyler Lockett, not DK. DK's kind of helped them get down the field with the deep shot touchdowns. A lot of them have come through Tyler Lockett. I think Seattle yeah. keeps this. He had six straight games at the end of the year. Yeah. I, I think Seattle keeps this. Six straight games at the think. end of the year where he scored a touchdown. I, I think Seattle keeps it close. I think they keep it to about a touchdown. Um, so I'm going to take the Seahawks to cover the spread here. And who knows, man, right? This could be the starting it off with a bang. Because, I'm again, Brock Purdy's been awesome. And so I, I'm not going to sit here and be like, you know, well, it's still a rookie. I mean, yeah, he's a rookie. But, like, he's also been really good. But the one thing with Brock Purdy, and if you look at his career in the Big 12 championship and the big games he played in Iowa State, he didn't play great. He was like the epitome of forcing throws all over the place. He would play really great sound within himself kind of offense at, at that quarterback position at Iowa State until they got to big games and they would play another really good team. And then it was forcing throws into windows that weren't there. And I, I'm, I'm a little bit worried that we're going to see, hey, maybe it's 7-7 after the first quarter and all of a sudden Brock Purdy, who's also 
gotten very lucky in terms of defenses dropping interceptions and not capitalizing on turnovers, which we saw a little bit of in that Raiders game. Uh, and I think Seattle's going to try to capitalize it on too. Boye Mafi's been playing really, really good. Uh, there, there's some guys I like on that Seahawks defense, and I know they're young. They have some veteran leadership. Uh, I, I think it's dumb because I do think the Niners have a really good chance of winning this game by like 17 points. But I kind of like the Seahawks to cover the 10. Yeah, I mean, I, I again, I wouldn't be surprised. Like we we talked about a little at the top there. It's it's really hard to win three games against uh, against an opponent in a single year. And so despite the fact that we both think that the, the Niners are capable of that, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked uh, if it were a close game against a division rival. Like nobody expected Seattle to get here. They had to wait until the literally the last game of the regular season to figure out whether or not they were in. They did what they had to do. So, uh, you know, credit to them. And and, and I think that, that knowing uh, or having to wait at least even after their victory on uh, uh, last week to to be one half of the puzzle for them to get into the playoffs. I, I think, you know, once that wears off, it's it's uh, it's go time. And now you've got a game on Saturday, so you have less than the the extra day to uh, to get ready for it. But Pete Carroll, you know, consummate professional in the NFL, um, obviously never never want to doubt his his team or his coaching abilities because um, he's proven time and again that that they he'll get his guys ready to go compete. But again, to me, at the end of the day, it just comes down to the to the experience factor. Like I said, yes, you've got them on offense. Uh, if you're Seattle, uh, particularly in, in your in your skill players, uh, but on defense, man, banged up, and you're you're looking at at a lot of those. And on offensive line too, banged up and looking at, at young players to do big things against uh, some tough units for the 49ers. I think that's going to be a problem. Yeah. I, I And we're going to save again because we're going to do our picks uh, for our, our bracket and the second half of the pod. So we're not going to say who we're picking straight up. Obviously, if you're picking a team like San Francisco minus 10 to cover the spread, you're going to know that. Uh, I think Seattle keeps this close. And uh and I'll leave it at that. So you're going to take San Francisco minus 10. I'm going to take Seattle on the upset. Let's move to Saturday night. Chargers-Jags. This is the game I'm most excited to watch because this is the epitome and this is what the NFL does so well, which year in and year out, every single year, four new teams minimum make the playoffs. What happened this year? I think more than that, actually. Uh, Seahawks, Chargers, Jags, Dolphins, and Giants, I believe, are all the new teams. So uh, I believe, is that four? Yeah, and then everyone else made the playoffs. So yeah, four or five. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Seahawks, Chargers, Jags, Dolphins, those four. Is there anyone else I'm missing? Who? Uh, and then Giants, yeah. So uh, five new teams in the playoffs this year. And what's fun, particularly, because the Giants are kind of different. It's a new coach, but it's still the same faces we've seen. Um, and Danny Dimes being in the playoffs is crazy. But seeing Justin Herbert finally get a chance to make the playoffs, uh, the season he's had, given the injuries, given the fact that he played for the first half of the season with fucking broken rib cartilage, um, is insane. And then the Jags go from number one overall pick to then making the playoffs. Like, what a difference having an actual competent head coach is. But also someone like Doug Peterson. Um, who who has done this before, won a Super Bowl, taken a team in disarray, and made them competitive soon. 
training a young quarterback, coaching him up to be the best that he can be. And Trevor Lawrence has been playing outstanding football and he missed a couple throws, but the one thing that I love about this is like this, the moment will not be too big for Trevor Lawrence in this game. Trevor Lawrence has played in multiple national championship games. He's won a national championship. He's uh, been in, I guess what, four, maybe four or five college football playoffs. Cause they lost the, the year. Right. So he he's, been in big time games in front of bigger audiences than we're going to see on Saturday night. And I love this Jacksonville home environment Uh, to me, like the home environment plays a huge role. We saw it last week, Saturday when they played uh, the the Tennessee Titans. Right. And they're kind of in a weird spot too, where they're basically just going up and getting after the same thing that they just did a week before just a new opponent opponent they've beaten. However, it looks a lot different, right? Uh, Rashawn Slater activated and uh, got at, didn't fully get activated, but got the the 21-day practice window that happens when you're on IR and teams can open it up for you so you can start practicing, allowing teams to activate you off of IR whenever they kind of feel you're ready. Um, Rashawn Slater, right? Rashawn Slater, was a we thought he was not going to see the field again this year, and there's a few players like that in this playoffs, and we'll get to some of them later. But Rashawn Slater is huge for them. Give me. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. If, I don't know. I think I'd rather have Brock Purdy right now. but At the uh, moment. Yeah. yeah. But if you have <laughs> Rashawn Slater going up against uh, uh, Josh Allen for the Jags, J- Jacksonville Josh Allen, compared to their backup left tackle going up against Josh Allen, you'll take that 10 times out of 10. Um, however, in the same breath, we have Brandon Staley who could have, rested all of his starters last week, including the injury-prone Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, and chose not to. And now Kenneth Murray's injured, and you have a back problem for Mike Williams, who, when he's been on the field, has been a huge difference maker. Yeah. I I contested and- when they gave him that contract. That was a mistake. There were other wide receivers they could have gone after, let somebody else pay him that money. When he's been on the field, he's been. this might be his most impressive year on the field for Mike Williams. But he's also missed a ton of games again. Uh, He's going to play, but he's going to play banged up. And it's a back injury, which one weird hit going up for one ball, right? One-handed, whatever, land on your back. He could get knocked out of this game, um, which kind of worries me a little bit if you're the the, the Chargers, because on paper, you're going to get a chance to get redemption against a team that beat you earlier in the season. uh, And you're going to get a chance to play uh, healthy for the first time really since week one. And that ended up not being uh, possible because Brandon Staley decided to play all of his starters, the entire game in a meaningless game in week 18. Yeah. And, and on the Mike Williams thing, he still hasn't practiced, uh, you know, uh, through today. So um, I know that's probably just a, a move to, to keep him as healthy as possible, but you know, it's telling and, and it's telling the stats and the way the offense looks, uh, when he's not out there on the field. So, uh, I mean, they're two and two this year in the four games that he's missed, but I think they've scored something like 36 total points on offense. Um, and those are games where, where you look at other players' stats, Eckler stats, not as good as they, as they had been Justin Herbert stats, not didn't the offense didn't nearly look like what it has been, uh, clicking over the past few games since he's come back. So, uh, granted, I know a lot of that was without Keenan Allen too, but, uh, you know, even even with one of those guys, the 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 route 
the route trees that they run, they're able to run with both of those guys and Eckler in the backfield. And uh, on top of that, uh, Gerald Everett, it makes a huge difference when Mike Williams out there. So um, he needs to be out there. I think he will. Obviously this is, this is uh winner go home, of course. So uh, I think they're going to do everything they can to get him out on the field, but you're right. One, one, one little play, one wrong misstep on a route and he tweaks that. And you know, I'm 34. So it's like, uh, I, I don't, I, I don't, I can't get out of the bed some days in the morning without doing that. Right. Uh, yeah. let alone run a, run a, run a route against a, an NFL quarterback. And this Jaguars defense has been flying all over the field. I expect nothing less. Uh, you saw it on, in the, in the game last week, they were just all over the place everywhere all at once. Yeah. Um, and, and it's the best that I've seen them play. If they can stick to that game script, I think it's going to be really tight. I'm going to take the Jaguars to cover the two and a half points. I well, think right now it's, the game's right now it's be one and a half. Right now it's one, one and a half, half points. Oh, I'll do it. I think the game's going to be that tight. I'll, I'll, I'll stick with the Jags. Well, and, and that, and so there's a couple things there for the Jags defense. They have a pass rush and a linebacking core that I think will help mitigate, especially someone like Devin Lloyd. I know he's a rookie, but he's played really, really good football this year. Uh, so is he, Trayvon Walker over the last few Trayvon, weeks. He's been awesome. And the fact that they're able to drop him into coverage and stuff at his size out in the flats is ridiculous. Um, but look, the weakness of this Jaguars team is in the cornerback room. They have one cornerback who is a legit starter, but he's like a number two starter. So they don't really have like a lockdown corner out there. And he, and that's why like the Mike Williams, because if it's Mike Williams and Keenan Allen both full go, I think I'm rolling with the Chargers all day in this game. Um, but the fact that it's going to be a banged up Mike Williams gives the Chargers secondary a much better chance, right? And it also goes back to the Joe Lombardi of it all, right? Like this guy will not let Justin Herbert cook out in the open space. He will not let him move. He will he will force him into the pocket and try to force him to run this Drew Brees offense, which he can do and he'll execute but he's not utilizing what makes Justin Herbert special, which is get him out in space, let him roll out, right? Drop a naked bootleg, get him out there, let him rip the ball deep, let him throw the ball on the run because he does it better arguably than anyone else not named Patrick Mahomes. I think Herbert does it better. <laughs> that, I mean, like between Herbert, Burrow, Allen, and Mahomes, I think Herbert's probably the second best quarterback on the run, but they never do it. And he's so by the book that I'm worried he's gonna he's gonna be playing within his like forced invisible walls that that Joe Lombardi has has set up for him where he has to play this way he has to play within this little bubble and that to me is a huge mistake because you're not letting your Ferrari do what Ferraris do which is drive really really fucking fast and be amazing you're treating your Ferrari like a Prius and I know I've made that analogy before but it continues to frustrate me. Um, and now we're going to be in a situation in the playoffs where if it's continuing to be the same thing where they don't let Justin Herbert do what Justin Herbert does well, the Jags are going to win this game because the Jags have, you know, it's always funny and cliche to say, but like the Jags have been in the playoffs for five weeks. They've yeah. had to win all these games to get in the playoffs, right? They've been in do or die mode for a while. Uh, even if it doesn't quite have the national spotlight. And then last week when they needed it, the defense stepped up and made big-time plays. And, yeah, they were playing Josh Dobbs and not Justin Herbert. 
And I like so much. It's so funny. The disparity between what I love and hate about a coach being so far. Like I, when, when Brandon Staley's on, I love Brandon Staley. I'm like, God, some of the, the, the coverage disguise stuff that he does and, and his answers and press conferences and some of the stuff I, I just, there's some things I love about Brandon Staley, but the things I hate about Brandon Staley are significantly like, like really significant. Like I fucking hate the way he handled week 18 for, for his team specifically. There are other teams yeah. where like, I would get it. Even like the giants, if the giants played all their starters in week 18, I actually understand that case, but for that team with the injuries and everything else they've dealt with, I thought it was a massive mismanagement of the roster. Yeah, um, but it's the same with the Bucks too, right? The, we, for I thought a the while, Bucks, I was like, why is Tom Brady still on the field? Why? But, <laughs> but I think that actually makes sense, right? Get them out there, make them go through the practice of going out, playing a game, getting reps, go through warm-ups, all that routine stuff that, that happens on an NFL Sunday. I like that the Bucks did that. I didn't like how the rest of it turned out. Uh, I, I well, for I didn't like how the Chargers decided to do it because obviously now Mike Williams, Kenneth Murray, both of them are banged up. Um, I looked up another stat since 2015. Home underdogs are six and two against the spread in the playoffs. I'm rolling with home underdogs this week. Yeah, I'm and as a home underdog, Jacksonville's four and zero this season. And it, and on top of that. Doug Peterson, five and one against the spread in the postseason. I love, love Doug Peterson as an underdog. I love this Jacksonville team at home in the weirdest, one of the weirdest places in the country in Jacksonville, Florida. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that crowd. I hope they bring that same guy back to play the Star Spangled Banner on the uh on the guitar. Like that they guy did last week. And several others as they pan through the stands, just it's, they had the look of Jacksonville. It's you know? people watching on crack. And when I say on crack, I mean, literally, they might be on crack. <laughs> and I I love this Jags team. I love Trevor Lawrence. And the thing is, I think this is something that could cost Brandon Staley his job. Because hmm. if you're the Chargers and you're the Chargers brass and you know that Sean Payton's out there and you know if there's one quarterback that Sean Payton wants, yeah, he inter- he's going to go do an interview with the Broncos. He might go interview with the Cardinals, right? Kyler Murray, year and a half, whatever. He would trade all that away to get a shot to coach Justin Herbert. So I'm just saying, yeah, I, which I get. But also if you're the Chargers and you're thinking, man, Sean Payton, in this team. And yeah, what is it going to cost? Second round pick, whatever to the saints. Cause the saints still have his contract. Fine. Whatever. Take a second rounder. We'll take Sean Payton, come in and work with Justin Herbert. I just, it has, like, I can see all of that happening. Um, and again, Justin Herbert played fine in big games in college, but this is by far his biggest game as a pro. Uh, and, and we know if there's one thing about Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence is not, going to shy away from big time moments and big time games so i'm rolling with you we're both on jacksonville plus one and a half uh let's move to sunday dolphins bills i i don't know how much there is to talk about about this right no Tua, no teddy bridgewater you're 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 throwing out skylar thompson again the bills defensive line ed oliver has been a monster uh, matt milano is one of the best linebackers in football tredavious white finally starting to get his legs back underneath him. Um, DeMar Hamlin discharged from the hospital yesterday. Yeah. Amazing news. 
right? So just another weight lifted off of the Bills, but they're still going to keep that same energy. Um, and uh, and uh, who's – oh, why am I blanking? Um, the safety for the Bills. Poyer? Yeah, who's been out all year. Jordan Poyer, no, yeah. Not, I don't know if it's Jordan Poyer or if it's the other one, but I think it's Jordan Poyer. Um, he's returning, um, or at least was at practice this week. So – uh, we will we will see. Um, I am really really excited. Uh, I I think the Bills are going to absolutely house, like beyond house, uh, uh, this team right now. Um, Micah Hyde, sorry, that's what I was talking about. Micah Hyde, who we mm. thought was going to be done for the year, currently Dean Marlowe, JMU alum, uh, is has been the starting. He's technically an IR, but again, they opened up his practice window, so Micah Hyde out there practicing. If they get him back. That makes that secondary so much better. Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde back in the secondary, uh, closing off that back end. You have Tredavious White, who's been playing well. Uh, Dane Jackson's been good. They have Kyer Elam as kind of like their um, their their uh, nickel corner, who's been playing well in that spot. Um, I just the more I see out of this defense um, from the Bills and some of the guys they're getting back. Like obviously they're not getting Von Miller back. Um, but Greg Russo, Ed Oliver, Daquan Jones, and Shaq Lawson. I mean, that front four is about as good as it gets. Boogie Basham, the rookie's playing really good. No AJ Epinesa, who's been kind of up and down when he's been in, but when he's been in, he's at least been, you know, productive. He's not like a minus. Um, he's in that rotation of guys. I, I just think the Bills are setting themselves up for a big time Super Bowl run here. Yeah. I, I mean, it's hard to to ignore the emotion of the moment too, right? Like you said, with not only with being just two weeks removed from uh, from everything, two and a half, I guess, from what happened with uh, with Demar Hamlin, but then to get the news today that he was released some nine days after uh, his injury, released from the hospital, is incredible. So uh, you saw uh, those of you that were able to to tap into the uh, to the feed, um, or if even if you were watching Red Zone or something, they did a really good job of showing the pregame there for for Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, I think the same sort of emotion is going to be flooding through uh through Highmark Stadium there in uh in western New York. Uh and I'm with you. I think this is an absolute uh, beatdown. <laughs> I really do. I just what is Skylar Thompson going to do against that defense? You know, and it's not I that mean, the Bills yeah. defense has been playing great, but like because they've had injuries, but like we're talking about Micah Hyde potentially coming back for the second round of the playoffs. Dean Marlowe played there for years. He's at least holding down the fort. Like that D line is going to absolutely eat against Skylar Thompson. And that's not like the Jets defense has been good all year. Like it's not, I'm not saying it was like, Oh, like the lions defense shut them down in week 18 and yeah. held them to, to 11, nine points really. And then they had the safety, but that game was like, I felt like I was going to go blind watching that Jets dolphins game last week. And if I didn't have any sort of bet <laughs> yeah. on the line for them, I wouldn't have paid attention to it at all. But Skylar yeah. Thompson is so bad. And now we're going to talk about him in a playoff game in Buffalo, 28 degrees. I, this is going to go horrendous. Horrendous. Well, yeah, and, and I'm telling you, this is what it's it sounds cliche, but because it's been talked about so much, even over this year, uh, how many times have I said it on this podcast? This is when you need to be good at running the football. And the Miami Dolphins have not been good at running the football for most of this year. They've been good with their their backs out of the backfield, the former 49ers. 
uh, catching the ball in particular, but they've, they're not going to be able to establish a run against this defensive line in this weather and, and with the, the emotion of a, a playoff game on winner go home on the balance. I mean, thir- 13 points seems low. Like, especially considering that Jalen Waddles banged up, Tyreek got pulled at, at, for half of the game last week, came back in later. He's got an ankle issue. Uh, there's, there's, n- there's been very, very little redeemable. In fact, the only reason the Dolphins got that field goal to put them ahead was because of a big mass pass interference penalty. It's not like Skylar Thompson had at least one good drive. There's been nothing redeemable about Skylar Thompson. Yeah. Um, and, and at this point, the Bills, I mean, they looked awesome against the Pats, who are really good defense. The Bills look to be like closer to what they did the first couple weeks of the regular season compared to what they like what they look like now. They kind of had yeah, that. We little were already dip. putting them in, <laughs> right? In but then this later than on. this point of the season. So yeah, I mean, they still only lost three games, like all yeah. season, right? And they, we can say like, ah, oh, you know, they kind of had their dip. They had the game against the Dolphins. They had a couple of weird matchups in there, and we didn't get to see them in the biggest game that was left on their schedule for sure. Um, which I, I, was, I guess is just because at the time the Bengals had one more loss, but. The one thing I haven't talked about with the whole um, scenarios is why isn't the second round? Because assuming if, if Buffalo and Cincinnati both win, they'll play each other in the second round. Yeah. I'd be more upset about that because if Cincinnati wins that game, then that game's getting played in Cincinnati. In Buffalo. Yeah. And instead, now it's going to be get played in Buffalo. Why isn't that game Correct. a neutral site? Yeah. Well, yeah. That, there was there was a number of things that uh, – that the the Bengals could have been upset about, and yeah, I, I you know they were more just, upset about the coin flip against about for, the, for yeah. the Ravens. Well, yeah, that celebration like, from Joe Mixon was like it I was know. fun. It was funny though. <laughs> I did I didn't think I did think it was funny, but at the same time, yeah. I'm like the bigger one for me is why is this game not like, assuming again Buffalo and Cincinnati win, right? Why, because why ultimately that game be in a neutral field, and again with the benefit of hindsight, even though it was only one week that game would have determined where that game, the, the divisional game would have been played. Yeah. Yeah. Because they would have had the head to head. They both, yeah, they both would have been 13 and four. Um, assuming everything else plays out the way that it does. So that, that one's weird. All right. So we're both on Buffalo minus 13, which I think makes sense. Uh, Sunday afternoon, one of the few really good games, uh, at least in terms of the teams being evenly matched. I'm not sure how entertaining this game will be. It could be. Uh, we saw these teams play on Christmas weekend. Uh, Giants, Vikings. The Vikings are a three-point favorite at home right now. Uh, and I see this game going either way. I, I think it's going to be very similar to what we saw just a few weekends ago on Christmas. I, I think the Viking. here's the thing too, right? <clears throat> Most teams that have successfully slowed down Justin Jefferson this year, you you play press man against him, right? Knowing that your cornerback is likely going to get beat. But you play press man against them knowing at the same time that you're going to have safety help over the top every time. Because here's the thing. If you're playing five to seven yards off the ball, right? You're playing like a drop coverage against Justin Jefferson. The safety over the top, has as little idea of what Justin Jefferson is about to do as the cornerback guarding him. But if the cornerback is playing press man and you are physical with him off the line of scrimmage, you force him one way or the other to show his hand as to where he's trying to go, right? If he tries to get the inside release, 
the inside leverage, he's going to rip through the contact at the line of scrimmage and move that way, which is going to help the safety over the top adjust. If he's does a stutter step, works to the outside, then you know he's going to be looking for something more over the top, which means the safety is going to be able to adjust to there. When the Giants played the Vikings, they did not do that because that is not what uh, uh, Wink Martindale wants to do. He wants to send pressure at you. We know that. We've known that for years. He wants to throw a million guys in your face. He wants to pressure the quarterback and make you uncomfortable, which against Kirk Cousins, you can do. However, Kirk Cousins also isn't afraid to just chuck the ball up towards the sideline and let Justin Jefferson go make a play in the literally just the general vicinity, right? Draw a 15 yard circle around wherever the ball is supposed to go, wherever Justin Jefferson is supposed to be. He's going to chuck the ball up there anyway. Um, which to me makes this this whole game really, really interesting because when they did that last time, Justin Jefferson cooked them. And they ended up winning 27 to 24, the Vikings did. Ended up coming down to a last-second field goal. It was a really competitive is that, game. Is that the London game? No, this was the Christmas Christmas Day. Oh, Christmas Day. Christmas That's Eve, right. yeah. Christmas Day. It was one of the – I think it was Christmas Eve. I think it was one of the 1 o'clock games on Christmas Eve. Because um, remember, the Vikings had that white end zone. That's right, yeah. Uh, and it ended up it, the game was won on a last second field goal by the Vikings. So the Giants are going to be in this game. But to me, I'm curious as to how much do they adjust? Because the one weakness that they really had defensively in that game, because they did get after Cousins, they sent pressure, they made him uncomfortable, but Justin Jefferson still ate. I, I'm going to pull up the box score uh, here in a second when I toss it to you, because I am curious as to what his final stat line was that day. Um but I'm curious if they're going to adjust because there has seemed to be uh, – now, obviously, you, you do have to send a lot of resources, right? You're, you're devoting a safety. You're essentially double covering uh, Justin Jefferson every time he goes out. But in a playoff game, that seems to make sense. Yeah, he had 12 catches for 133 yards and a touchdown. Um, the other person who ate in that game was TJ Hawkinson, who had 13 catches for 109 yards and two touchdowns. So those are going to be your two main points of concern here if you're the New York Giants. Do you send that extra safety up to slow down Justin Jefferson and still gamble on the man-to-man zone coverage with TJ Hawkinson? Because Hawkinson's a smart tight end, right? All these Iowa tight ends, they know what they're doing. They find the soft spots in the zone, right? The Zach Ertz special, as I like to call it. Zach Ertz was so smart that every single time he'd look at the formation, he knew where the soft spot in the zone would be, and he would sit there. And that is Kirk Cousins' favorite move. So you can – Take the gamble on the outside with your cornerback playing one-on-one against Justin Jefferson and hopefully have your safety keeping an eye more on TJ Hawkinson over the middle, or you devote that safety and, and slow down Justin Jefferson. Uh, they did a good job against the run in that game. Dalvin Cook had uh, 14 carries for 64 yards. He's banged up in this game as well. Um, I'm starting to feel like the Giants are in a position here where they can legitimately win this game Daniel Jones, probably his best game of the year, 30 of 42 for 334 yards and a touchdown. He did have one pick. Uh, Saquon had 14 carries for 84 yards. Um, But 334 yards from Daniel Jones is a lot. Uh, And I don't know if the Vikings defensively have the guys to do much to change anything and potentially improve off of that. Yeah, I I, I don't know if the the Giants have the secondary pieces to be able to to do what you're – what you're talking about and, and stuff Justin Jefferson and, and force the, the, him to make a decision, let the safety go to the help side, wherever that may be. Um, I think they might be getting Xavier McKinney back. He's, he's probable in this game. 
Um, we'll see. Um, I didn't see anything on him uh, in practice today, but I'm sure, you know, again, in these big games, you want the uh, the best players out there, even if they're a little bit uh, worse for the wear. So uh, him back out there will be a huge help. And I think Daniel Jones on offense for them is starting to really heat up. I'd hate to take, uh, I'd hate to pick against the Vikings in a one score game. I think it was a four point spread last time they played uh, in that Christmas Eve game. Um, but, uh, you know, it is 4.30, Kirk Cousins. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Giants to cover. Taking the Giants to cover, and I'm with you. Because, I'm also- and you know why, too? Because I think at the end of the day, and, and Vikings play, or fans will tell you this, too, I, I, if I'm guessing, the Vikings are either going to win the Super Bowl or they will be out in the first round, if not, and maybe the second round. But yeah. there's no middle ground. <laughs> no, and the last time, it, you know, they made a run in the playoffs. It literally took a miracle and an unbelievably boneheaded play uh, in, in the the Minneapolis miracle, the touchdown pass to, to, and then to they Stephon got Diggs, right? Stopped the in Philly, yeah. And then they got absolutely shit pumped. They scored the opening drive touchdown and then 38 to set, 38 unanswered points. Eagles win 38 to 7. Um, I'm taking the Giants here as well. I, I think the Giants plus three. I think this game's going to be close. Like, I do think it could come down to a field goal. I do see a path that the Vikings win. The Vikings have won all their close games all year, right? All but two of – so they won 13 games. 11 of their 13 games or 13 wins this year were single digits. Or single digits, single one That's possession insane. games, rather, right? Um, the games that they lost, they kind of got their shit handed to them, right? Whether it was the, the Eagles game – uh, the Cowboys game, the Packers game, and I'm forgetting what the last one was that they lost there too. Uh, oh, the Lions game. All of those were double-digit losses. Uh, so the luck has been on their side. Every single one position, one possession game that the Vikings have been in this year, they've won. They beat the Packers week one by double digits, and then they beat the Bears in week 18 in double digits. And everything else has been one position, one possession games they've won. I can't comprehend them that streak continuing and i'll say this the giants their backups play last week and they don't fucking stop they come after you time after time they make it hard they're so well coached we've been saying this about dayball since like week two right dayball has this team so well coached being in the right position at the right time i'm a big fan of what the new york giants are doing right now and they rest Saquon, so he's going to be healthy going in. He needed that week off against, against, against the defense the that gives up 123 again on the ground uh, and he had, per game. He had, he had 84 against them last time. And you know what? Daniel Jones threw for 334 yards against them. So you know the Vikings are going to adjust to that. I, I like this Giants matchup. I think they're going to force Cousins. I, I really do. I think they're going to force Cousins' hand to be like, hey, if you're going to beat us, it's going to be to TJ Hawkinson, and that's it. And yeah, that's probably going to require some really elite level play from their linebackers and safeties to cover TJ Hawkinson. But if TJ Hawkinson has 120 yards and a touchdown in this game, but you hold Justin Jefferson to 60 yards, that that's not going to be enough to beat this Giants team. So I like the Giants plus three. You like the Giants plus three. We're on the same page here. Um, so far, we've agreed on everything other than San Francisco and Seattle. Let's hope we're right. Uh, Sunday night, Ravens, Bengals, another one that's just tough. And and we kind of went through it a little bit earlier, right? What's the case for the Ravens? The Ravens defense plays absolutely bonker balls out of their fucking minds. Uh, 
I I don't see that happening the way that this Bengals offense is rolling and particularly the way that Joe Burrow is playing. And I'll say this, I think Joe Burrow's been the second best quarterback in the NFL this year. I think he's actually outplayed Mahomes in a lot of ways. Um, I, I think Burrow and Hertz have been the two most impressive quarterbacks in this season in terms of what they've done and how they've elevated the team around them. Now, obviously the Eagles have a ton of talent on their team too, but we saw what happened when Hertz missed those games. Like that to me cemented just how good Jalen Hurts has been the difference between the Eagles without him and with him. Uh, and Joe Burrow, I mean, he was like a man possessed and the most concerning thing. And I said this to Vito on Tuesday, but the most dangerous thing in all of sports is Joe Burrow with a cigar in his mouth because the confidence level that exudes from Joe Burrow when he's sitting there swagging out with a cigar hanging out, it's like there's not a more confident motherfucker on the entire planet than Joe Burrow. Um, but in addition to that, it's not arrogance, it's confidence. And that's that's a big part of this. He knows exactly what he needs to do to go out there and win these games. I don't think he's scared for a second about this Ravens defense. I think he knows exactly how to carve them up. It's Jamar Chase. It's uh, it's T Higgins who looked like he got hurt for a second, but then literally came back two plays later and almost had a deep yeah. touchdown catch. Um, the running game for them has obviously been a concern, but you know what? Like I, I don't see a world where the Bengals lose this game. I do see a world where maybe the Ravens cover, um, but the Bengals are going to find a way to win even without Alex cap. I'm pretty confident of that. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. I, I do think the Ravens are going to cover the spread here. Uh, just because, you know, they played each other last week. It's, it's easy to go through and, and make adjustments. And I know Joe Burrow and, and, and Jamar chase and the offense are going to be, uh, be a, as good as anyone else. But you know, that was, that was most of the game plan last week is, is, uh, Burrow to Jamar. Um, and that's fine, but, uh, you're not going to get a whole lot of, of running room against the, uh, the Ravens defensive line. So, uh, you know, it's going to be tough for them to, to, to move the ball unless you're moving Joe Burrow out of the pocket um, and, and sort of getting uh, some of the running backs involved in the passing game as well. Um, I do think they win. I just think the with Lamar Jackson in the lineup, he's such a difference maker um, if he plays. Um, and if not, you're going to have to to lean on, on your running game uh, as the Ravens, which they've been really good at all year. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to take the Ravens with cover. Uh yeah, potentially. No, <laughs> potentially. Um, yeah, no, I'm I'm taking uh, I, I'm taking Cincinnati here. I, I think I think they win by a couple touchdowns. I I know it's the same, but look, if Anthony Brown's playing in that game, he's gonna. I mean, he had what three interceptions on Sunday. That's not changing. The Bengals defense has gotten healthier. You have Sam Sam Hubbard getting healthier from his broken hand. Trey Hendrickson, another Pro Bowl a year for him. Uh, that defensive line is going to be able to eat against the Ravens. I think the Ravens defense will keep it closer, right? I could see like 24 points, but I don't know how the Ravens offense puts up any points this week. Uh, so I'm going to take Cincinnati minus nine and a half. Uh, and that leaves us with our Monday night game, Cowboys Bucks. Cowboys, two and a half point favorites on the road. And I will recite the, what I said before. Since 2015, home underdogs in the playoffs are six and two against the spread. The Bucs get not only some of their best offensive output over the last couple weeks, uh, including that first half before they benched uh, Tom Brady and all the starters. Um, the Bucs also are getting Ryan Jensen back, which is as big of a difference maker as you can possibly have. The Cowboys have been struggling mightily. 
Uh, it's interesting when you look at all the games the Cowboys have lost. Um, the only one that wasn't on a grass field was week one when they lost to this Buccaneers team in um, Dallas. But the games that they've struggled the most have been on grass fields. I think it slows down their pass rush. Um, Micah Parsons has had, after the amazing start that he had, and there were people like Rosillo and some others who were trying to throw out the Micah Parsons MVP type narrative. Like, is he at, knowing that like, Hey, he's never actually going to win it, but like, let's have the conversation kind of like how we would do with Aaron Donald um, and JJ Watt. Micah Parsons isn't there yet. He, he's amazing. And Micah Parsons is, is probably one of the top three defensive players in the NFL, but he's not there yet. And he has disappeared in the second half of the season. The last 10 games of the season only has five and a half sacks, which you'd say, Hey, that's not too bad for the caliber of player that he is. That is kind of bad. Uh, he should be more productive. Hassan Reddick has had 10 and a half sacks during that stretch. Um, I, I look at this Cowboys team, Dak, not playing good football, coming off of a bad game last week against Tampa Bay. Uh, Michael Gallup, an absolute shell of himself coming off of the ACL tear last year. Uh, CeeDee Lamb's really, really good, but he's the only offensive weapon that scares you in the wide receiver and, and tight end room. I remember, remember when we were talking about fantasy stuff and I went on my whole rant about Dalton Schultz. Now he was supposed to be a, one of the better, best tight ends in football. And I said, no, he was a product of, a, of his environment last year being the fifth option. Well, now he's like the third option and he's done fucking nothing this year. The offensive line is banged up. You have Jason Peters at 40 years old starting on the offensive line and he's not Andrew Whitworth. He's a lot worse than that. And I love Jason Peters. But he's a Cowboy now. Uh, this Cowboys team is falling at the seams. And more than that, I don't know if you saw the quote. I shared it on Tuesday's pod, but I'll share it with you as well. From Micah Parsons at, uh, after the game on Sunday, which was he basically called out the entire locker room and said, like, people right now, he's like, he's like people got to take a look in the mirror and figure out what they want. Do they want MVP? Do they want Pro Bowls? Do they want all pros? Do they want individual stuff or do they want to win? And I believe Micah Parsons wants to win. I don't think this whole team is locked in the way that other teams are in the locker room side of it. I think this team's got a bunch of egos and I don't think Dak is the best leader in the world. I think Dak, everyone likes Dak, right? But people don't go fight and, and put it all on the line for Dak the way they do for Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts and some of these other guys who are like natural, true born leaders, but everybody likes Dak. So it kind of gives the appearance that they, that it does. The only way the Cowboys, I think end up really looking good in this game is if they have one of those offensive explosion nights, which they're capable of doing. Um, but I just don't know if they have that. It's going to have to be a lot of Tony Pollard and CeeDee Lamb's going to have to play the game of his life. But defensively, the Bucs have been playing really solid over the last few weeks. And the offense for the Cowboys, other than the Eagles game, has been really mediocre over the last six weeks of the season. Yeah, I, you said my magic word uh, that I have here on my sheet. Tony Pollard needs to get involved. Um, and I think the the Cowboys will be able to come up with a game plan to get him involved. Um, and it'll be the only time that uh, they'll find success with that in the offseason. Uh, but I think, you know, leaders lead. Michael Parsons has been a leader. We saw it for his time in college. Uh, even even before college, for for those of us uh, uh, who follow some of that uh, that recruiting trail, uh, particularly when he goes to to your school, 
Um, but uh, he also leaders... had some questionable stuff before college too. Let's not yeah. ignore that. No, no. But uh, leaders lead, and and he's he's a quality leader uh, in the locker room, and so I think you know uh, he'll be able to to help galvanize the the entire team, not just the defense. I think the defense is going to be able to play well. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the the offense for for Tampa Bay is starting to come on, uh, but it's it's going to be difficult to run the ball uh, against this Dallas defense, and and I think uh, on offense they'll be able to to get Tony Pollard involved. I'm going to take the Cowboys to cover the spread. Yeah, I could, couldn't look. I mean, and, and I, I genuinely mean this. It's it's the Tom Brady getting the team ready for the postseason kind of run. I feel like Tampa Bay is about to try to go on. Uh, having not only Tristan Wirfs back a couple weeks ago, but now getting um, Ryan Jensen back, like your all-pro center from a year ago who hasn't played any football this year because he got hurt in the first day of training camp. Um, that's massive. And he's been practicing this week and that's going to, the amount of comfort, the more time that Tom Brady's going to get. Uh, and also what that's going to do in the run game. Look, without Leighton Vander Esch, who looked like his career was basically hanging on by a thread has had a really, really good year for the Dallas Cowboys. Leighton Vander Esch, not in this defensive lineup is huge for them. Uh, and it makes it a lot easier to run the ball against this Cowboys team. Um, we have playoff Lenny with Leonard Fournette, right? Coming back here too. I love Tampa Bay plus two and a half. And I think the Cowboys defense, you know, Demarcus Lawrence started off hot, has really fallen off for the rest of the year. Javon Diggs, we know his game, right? It's boom or bust. He's either going to have a pick and make a huge play, or he's going to get absolutely cooked. And uh, Chris Godwin over a hundred catches, Mike Evans. We know how good he is. Uh, and whether it's Julio Jones or Russell Gage or some of these other guys, uh, Kyle Rudolph only played, I think, eight games this year for them, but he had a touchdown uh, in the opening quarter against the Falcons. Um, his 50th career touchdown. There's going to be plays like that, and I think Tampa Bay is going to figure out a way to do this. I'm taking Tampa Bay plus two and a half as the home underdog in the playoffs. Look, at six and two since 2015 for home underdogs, I'm taking that. I'm just going to roll with home dogs. Um you don't see it a lot in the postseason, but when you do, the numbers tell you to jump on it. So I'm going to jump on that six and two against the spread. I think that jumps to eight and two against the spread after this weekend. All right, let's take a quick break. We're going to, on the other side, we're going to reveal our brackets all the way up to the Super Bowl. Uh, and we'll get you guys and send you on your way to the weekend and the NFL wildcard weekend, which I am freaking pumped to watch them play off football. All right, let's wrap up the pod here with our predictions and our brackets. Um, before we do that, do I at least want to make note of this because uh, it was a pretty big story. We touched on Cliff Kingsbury getting fired over the weekend. Um, the Las Vegas Raiders announced officially that they will be moving on from Derek Carr, uh, seeing as he has a no-trade clause in his contract. This was kind of the way they had to do it. They kind of had to go public about it. Derek Carr had a really nice message to uh, the fan base, um, but he will have a new team this year. Uh, I could see the Jets. I'd be shocked if the Colts, given where they're drafting, would would use the assets and take on the contract. But you can never rat, you know rule that out. Um, I don't know. I mean, are there any other teams off the top of your head you could see Derek Carr? No, like a team that's like a quarterback. There's not a whole lot, a whole lot of teams. Maybe you're Niners. 
Uh, I could see that. No, please, no. <laughs> I you'd don't ra- that. You'd rather have Brock Purdy than Derek Carr for a couple of years? Well, you know, we've figured out some sort of recipe for quarterbacks who nobody thinks uh, are any good to to somehow be good in our offense. So maybe you're right. Maybe that would work. But Derek Carr's better than that. Yeah, okay. He, he didn't work in Josh McDaniel's offense, but, I mean, there's still plays that Derek Carr makes that are ridiculous, you know. He's not completely all stats, no substance, you know. Houston? Uh, I mean – yeah, but Houston. But Houston wouldn't trade that. Yeah, I could see um, Jimmy G going back with Josh McDaniels in Las Vegas. I've heard rumblings of uh, Bill Belichick's already uh, heating the phone line up for that one for Jimmy G. Yeah, maybe I could see Derek Carr in New England. I don't know. It's an interesting thought because there aren't a whole lot of teams that are like would be interested in like a you know top. 15 to top 12 type quarterback like Derek Carr. Um, you know, oh, the I, great, I, I, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> I think the team that's most likely to make that, that call would be the New York jets. Yeah. I, I think that's the team that most likely fits the bills. Um, I think everyone else is pretty much set, but another thing as we get ready for off season football talk to, uh, to consider, uh, let's go through our brackets here. All right. We're going to go round by round. Uh, pick our winners for the wild card, set up our divisional round, as well as our AFC NFC championship game and our Super Bowl. I put the score with the Super Bowl, so I'll give you a second if you want to try to figure that out. But hmm. um, for me, I mean, it's not really that important. It would be a potential tiebreaker if we were both right. But uh, let's start with the AFC wild card round. So uh, we'll go quick here. Jacksonville Chargers, who's your pick? I said it was going to be a close game, but the Chargers come out on top on my road. Scotty's on the Chargers. I'm taking Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville wins that game. Uh, you're taking Jacksonville plus one and a half. It better be a one sc- one point win. I'm telling the, you, uh, it's, for the Chargers. I think it's going to be that tight. <laughs> uh, Cincinnati, Baltimore. Uh, Cincinnati. All right. I'm also on Cincinnati, and then Buffalo, Miami. Uh, Buffalo. I'm on Buffalo as well. So that sets up the AFC champion or divisional round for you to be Chargers, Kansas City, and then Buffalo, Cincinnati. That's right. Yeah. And then for me, that would leave Kansas City, Jacksonville, and Buffalo, Cincinnati. NFC wildcard, Tampa Bay, Dallas. Cowboys. Ooh, Scotty's on the Cowboys. Makes sense. You took picked them to yep. cover the two and a half. I'm taking Tampa Bay. Yep. yep. I, I think Tampa Bay gets the job done. They cover the two and a half and they win outright. Minnesota and the Giants. I told you that at the end of my uh at the end of that game when we wrapped up, the Vikings are either going to win the Super Bowl or lose in the first round. They're losing in the first round. It's going to be the Giants that move on. I have the Giants as well. So you have Dallas and the Giants. I have the Bucks and the Giants. And that leaves us with the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks. No surprise. You're taking San Francisco. Easy. Uh, I'm also (laughs) taking San Francisco. I took Seattle on the points uh, plus 10, but uh, San Francisco wins the game. They move on, which leaves you, uh, you and I both with uh, you. I have Philly and the Giants. You have Philly and the Giants. Uh, And then you Mm -hmm. have San Francisco, Dallas, and I have San Francisco, Tampa Bay. Um, AFC divisional round, uh, 
you have Kansas City and the Chargers. Who wins that? Uh, Kansas City gets the bye, but their defense fails them. The Chargers pull the upset against the one seed and move on. Wow. I like this. A lot of bold predictions from you. Uh, I have Kansas City beating Jacksonville. I think Kansas City moves on to the uh, AFC Championship game. And then Buffalo-Cincinnati. Yeah, it's it's going to be an emotional game if that is the case, um, as we talked about. But uh, that that game will be in Buffalo too. Uh, if there's anyone that can carve up the 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 defense, uh, Buffalo's defense is good uh, as they have played. It's going to be Joe Burrow, and and I think once he's locked in, um, as I think that he is, uh, that's that's when we saw them kind of make a run last year. So uh, Bengals. Wow, we'll be moving on to the AFC. So that'll be for you. That'll be the uh, well. Well, we'll see what the NFC looks like, but I have a feeling we're going to be moving here towards a uh, a Scott versus Jeff AFC NFC championship because Burrow, Herbert, and then Eagles Niners. But we'll get there. Uh, I also have Buffalo (laughs) Cincinnati, but I'm taking Buffalo. Um, The way they have looked over the last you know this past week. if Buffalo plays like they did against New England, obviously the two kick returns for a touchdown played a huge role in that game. Um, but it's the timely big play stuff. They have that mystic God. The sports gods are on their side right now, um, understandably so. And I think Buffalo finds a way. I think that game would be epic. Um, but I think that sets up a Kansas City-Buffalo AFC championship game for me. You have Cincinnati and the Chargers in the AFC championship game. Uh, NFC, you have Eagles, Giants, San Francisco, Dallas, Eagles, Giants. Who do you have? I have the Eagles. I just think they're going to be able to to dominate, uh, especially with the bye week getting healthy. Uh, that's That's been one of the, the big factors uh, over the past couple of weeks here. Jalen Hurts, we saw how much of a difference he made in that week 18 game. Um, and so I, I'm going to I'm going to take the Eagles and I wouldn't be surprised if that were a big one. Yeah, I also have the Eagles. Uh, Jalen Hurts didn't throw at practice at all this week. Um, they obviously had a couple of days off. They had practice today, Thursday, uh, and he did not throw. They're resting that shoulder. Want to get him to as close to 100% as they can. And if there's one thing I know about Jalen Hurts is the competitor in him. He wasn't like there was like a third and short that he e- – or second and short that he easily could have picked up on his own, and he slid down behind the line of scrimmage. That was clearly the game plan. It was like a preseason type game for the Eagles. They did the bare minimum they could to win that game. In a postseason matchup, Jalen Hurts is getting that first down every time. I have no doubt. I think the Eagles win that game, move on to the NFC Championship game. And then you have San Francisco, Dallas. I have San Francisco, Tampa Bay. Who are you taking? I'm going to take the Niners to win their 12th game in a row and reach the NFC title game. I also have the Niners. Uh, We saw Brock Purdy beat Tom Brady once already this year. You know, draft pick 199. How do you up, you know, one up draft pick 199 overall? Mr. Irrelevant, last pick in the draft. It's the only way you can upset the the, the Tom Brady, Mr., uh, you know, 199 is by uh, having Mr. Irrelevant there. And Uh, imagine if, uh, if that game is Tom Brady ends his career at home but by losing the uh, the divisional round game in San Francisco. Could be. I think that game would be really close, though. I, re- I, I yeah, do. But... I, I, think, I think it comes down to a San Francisco stop on defense, but we'll get there. Uh, and then that leaves us with you have Chargers, Bengals, AFC Championship game in Cincinnati. Who do you have winning that? Uh, 
it, the magic runs out for the bolts there uh, because the Bengals once they once they reach this spot they're they're locked in they they have been there before uh, last year um, and and we saw how good they played down that stretch run I think they would uh, they would handle the Chargers pretty uh, pretty easily in the AFC Championship game. All right, I have Kansas City Buffalo neutral field in Atlanta. We learned today which is what I said that was my suggestion on Tuesday's pod. I have the Buffalo Bills. I think the Buffalo Bills ride this momentum wave. I think Josh Allen's going to play like a man possessed. The defense getting healthy. Micah Hyde coming back is a huge part of it. Uh, they have a ton of depth, even losing Von Miller on that defensive line. Uh, and, and I think they continue. I think if that game's in Kansas City, I do think Kansas City is more likely to win that game. Uh, so Chiefs fans can bitch and complain about that all they want. Fuck you. Um, Buffalo wins this game. They move on to the Super Bowl, and then we have the Scott and Jeff Bowl on the other side. San Francisco in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Brock Purdy against those, you know, feral Philadelphia fans. Who do you have? Yeah, take the under in this one because the defense is going to show up, uh, and, and it's going to be a, a really hard fought ball game. I think at the end of the day. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts, who's probably going to win the MVP, uh, mm-hmm. does enough to keep his team in the ball game, and that would be nice. Except Brock Purdy's going to play better, and uh, Christian McCaffrey, Debo, and the boys, George Kittle, are going to be uh, are going to be eating the lawn up at uh, up at the link. And uh, Niners move on on the road. See, this is the difference between West Coast fans and East Coast fans, because the West Coast, oh, it's beautiful, sunny California, life's great. You know, everything's awesome. Oh, the Giants win four World Series. Oh, that's great. Oh, we're fine. Everything's awesome. Everything's great. Um, Philly, I hate the world. My team sucks. We're always going to lose. I'm never going to actually pick them to win. I'm taking San Francisco to win that game as well. Um, yeah, and you'd be emotional, right. emotional hedging because I'm not going to pick the Eagles to make the Super Bowl. It's the same thing preseason. I had the Eagles getting to the NFC Championship game. I said they weren't going to make it past. Uh, because I'm a sociopath, and that's what Philadelphia fans are at, at the core. Of course, in my heart of hearts, I think the Eagles are the better team. They are the better team. They have the better quarterback. They have a, as good of a defense, and they have a better, as good, if not nah, probably as good, I'd say, supporting cast around them. Uh, and Jalen Hurts is the difference maker between Brock Purdy, but I'm not going to be dumb enough to pick the Eagles to actually go to the Super Bowl only to get my own words thrown back you, at me on my own podcast later on. Do you think long. that uh, that game would be defensive as I think it would be? No. No, I, you think it would be mean, a little it higher depends, scoring? It depends on what the line is at, but, you know, let's say it's at 42 and a half. I think that that's probably where I, where I would have it at. I, I could see, like, a 24-21 type game. I don't think yeah. we're talking about, like, 13 to 10. No, um, no, no, no. I'm not there either. But Yeah, I, I um, think, it's like, 27 to 24 or, like, you know, 26 to 23, like a game like that, that's kind which, of somewhere in the middle. Which then, so so you agree that the defenses will play well so on both sides. So then to me, what it comes down to is, do you trust Jonathan Gannon to make the right call? To me, it comes I trust down, Miko Ryans. To me, it comes down to, do I trust Brock Purdy or Jalen Hurts? Yeah. To make the right decision and the right play. And I trust Jalen Hurts more than I trust Brock Purdy. It's going to hurt for you guys, I'm telling you. Uh, we'll see. Uh, 
we're talking about hypothetical games and the shit talking's already started, which is hilarious. <laughs> uh, and that leaves us with uh, you have San Francisco, Cincinnati. I have San Francisco, Buffalo. Who's your pick and what's the score? Uh, in the quest for a championship trophy, there are 32 teams that enter in the season. One left standing will be the San Francisco 49ers getting oh their sixth. God. Oh my God. 33 to 17. You're nauseating. Just what I want everyone at home to know it took Scott about twice, if not three times as long to fill this bracket out as I did. And he ends it with his own fucking team winning the Super Bowl. Jesus Christ. Uh, I have it's a San- long path. <laughs> I have San Francisco and Buffalo and the. You know what? I'm going to say it. No one circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. And the Bills complete the miracle season as storybook as it gets, even more so than Mr. Irrelevant going and winning the Super Bowl is the Buffalo Bills winning the Super Bowl this year for DeMar Hamlin, for Josh Allen, who's not going to win the MVP, but arguably could have. Um, I'll probably finish top four, top five. But the Buffalo Bills go on a run. We said it before, right? Beginning of the season, they looked like world beaters. It kind of mellowed out as the season went on. And yet you look down, you think, ah, the Bills haven't really played all that good this season. They've only lost three games. They're as good as anybody in football. They have a quarterback as good as anybody in football. They have a wide receiver as good as anybody in football. And the Bills complete it 38 to 27. Wow. And they make they make a mockery of the vaunted San Francisco defense, uh, and questions then arise for whatever team hires D'Amico Ryan's to be their next head coach. Oh, they please. go, oh man, maybe he isn't actually that good. <laughs> no, I love D'Amico Ryan's. He was yeah, me too. And look for for the Niners on that path, they'd have to win what fourteen games one uh fourteen games, games in a row to to end the season, which would be insane. Uh, but I think this is to one of those things where we see this a lot. Uh, in the sports world where uh, if there's a team in a, in a certain city that's that's on a dynasty, it sort of transitions from, or maybe it's just San Francisco. I don't know. It sort of transitions from one team to another. It's gone from the Giants to the Warriors. I think it's now going to the Warriors to the San Francisco 49ers again. Yeah, this fucking asshole. <laughs> four World Series from the from the Giants, four championships from the from the from the yeah. Golden State Warriors. Of course, yeah, the you're, picking, of course you're picking your own team. You guys yeah. are like you're like West Coast Boston. I believe in them. And yet you act as if because Penn State's never won anything, you're like, oh man, my team's never win. Bleh, bleh. <laughs> Fuck you. I hope Penn State never wins a national championship. Ever. Oh, we will. And then I'm gonna die the day after. <laughs> nah, not in your lifetime. San Francisco uh, the Penn State Indian Lions will not win a championship before you turn 50. <laughs> Oh, me that's solid, not that far away. So gives me like a what 18, 17 year window. <laughs> yeah. I'll take those odds. I'll take those odds right now. Maybe, maybe we'll do that. Maybe that'll be an off season thing. We'll make a, we'll make a 17 year long bet. I'm going to get a text from Scotty. And when we're 50 and have kids and living, you know, who knows, maybe we'll still do the podcast back then. Wouldn't that be a dream <laughs> episode <Yeah>. 4,000. <000. laughs> all right uh that's all we got thank you so much everybody um our two-year anniversary is coming up i forget what day it is i gotta go back and double check uh i believe it's it was wild card weekend uh in 2021 
the 2020-2021 season was our first episode. So uh, wild card or divisional round maybe might have been the first one. So either way, that's coming up. As always, thank you so much for the support, hanging with us for as long as you have. Um, Also fastly approaching 200 episodes, So, um, which is crazy because it feels like we just did our champagne toast after 100 episodes not that long ago. And next thing you know, March Madness is quickly approaching. So uh, everyone have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy the playoffs. Uh, and, uh, if you have a team in the, in the, in the chip here in in the bracket, best of luck to your boys and hopefully, uh, things work out for you. So for Scotty and Vito, I'm Jeff, everybody have a wonderful weekend. We will cap off and recap everything on Tuesday. Uh, so be ready for that. And as always take it easy.